Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the founder of FitHit, Matan Gavish. Now, I don't know whether this story was ripped from the latest blockbuster or from a best-selling novel, but I'll let you decide when you hear this incredible story. Matan was enlisted in the IDF as a Krav Maga officer, training thousands of students in his time in the military. Focused on the empowering aspects of training, Matan decided to take his experiences and start his company, FitHit, in 2018. Identifying a niche in the market where martial arts classes could be too risky for the average consumer and traditional self-defense courses were too contactless to be effective, Matan's company offers unique, a unique blend of teaching Krav Maga techniques through high-energy cardio classes. FitHit didn't take long to be listed on the Forbes Inc. 5000, with Matan having trained thousands of students from high-ranking CEOs and public personas to consumers looking for a safe but effective option to get fit. FitHit is growing like crazy. So, Matan, let's get right into it, buddy. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Drew. Man, what a story. And I'm excited to hear in your own words, how did we get into this? How did you, how did you get into this business? Sure. So, you know, I, um, I was a soldier in, in Israel, the part of a, a special ops unit, and I, uh, I learned a lot about combat uh, while, while serving. Um, I'm also a lifelong martial artist. You know, that, that journey started off as a, as a kid, but I was never really that good at it growing up. It really became better as a, as a soldier and then, uh, and then later on. Um, you know, when I, uh, when I moved to New York, I... Uh, I found myself pretty easily able to cater, you know, my, my knowledge, right? My, my combat knowledge and self-defense and Krav Maga knowledge to, uh, to those that were kind of like me, which are, you know, police officers and soldiers and security companies and guys, guys in uniforms. Uh, and for, for a minute, that was my, uh, you know, that was my, my niche. Uh, however, what I've noticed, especially in New York City, uh, that the, the level of violence against women specifically is huge. Like I, was, I wasn't aware at how many women get victimized and sexually assaulted in the city on a regular basis. Dang. And yeah, I mean, uh, the, the number, and, and here's the thing, like over the years, crime in New York City has been going down, but rape and sexual assault has been going up. And it's like, it's, it, it's crazy. You know, like you're looking at like 50 women a week just in the city um, Holy crap. That, that are being reported, you know, and if you take a look at, you know, only only like one in four is presumed actually being reported. You're looking at a few hundred women every single week, and that's just in the Manhattan area. So I saw that there is a huge issue that that needed to be solved. Um, so so I opened originally I opened Krav Maga Academy. That was back in 2010. So I opened a school for Krav Maga, I called it Krav Maga Academy. And I was, uh, and I was teaching the most aggressive self-defense system in the world, straight out of the Israeli military. And like, basically cross my finger and hope the women are gonna show up to train that. Um, they did not. <laughs> even, though, <laughs> even though I felt that I had a wonderful solution to, to to the problem at hand, like I, I finally found who I wanted to serve, who I wanted to give this information, who needed this information, you know, yeah. way more likely to be victims of violence than any of the officers and tough dudes that I was training all, this whole time. Those guys were badasses, like people wouldn't mess with them on a regular basis. Yeah. But, you know, but my, my dream client was too afraid to walk into a class like that, was too worried, was, was full of self-doubt, self-limiting beliefs and so on. So, you know, we ran through Krav Maga Academy. It was a great story for about 10 years. It was a nice little local uh, operation, but- um, who, was the, who was the clientele at that point? If the women weren't coming, who, who were you seeing show up to that? So, you know, there was a lot, a lot of guys, and, and I wouldn't say that women weren't showing, but it was like 70, 30%, like 70% men, 30% women. Right. Um, and and the, the way that I was teaching it back then, 
very similar to how I teach it now. Like the, the product hasn't changed much. I'm very big on fitness and strength and speed, flexibility. So these are all things that, that women would, uh, uh, would appreciate in a training program. It's just that the packaging of it, right? Krav Maga Academy, you know, colors were like red and black. It was very, and everybody has to wear black and this whole thing. Because <laughs> that's how I was taught, you know? So yeah, I it's thought, like Cobra Kai. It's like, well, it's, yeah, just, just not as soft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, so, so pretty much, right? And the, and, the, um, and the women that showed up to those classes, to those hard classes was two types of women, right? The first type was, you know, tough girls, right? Like girls that did not mind the ruggedness of the facility and the type of training and everything is actually were, were attracted to it, which is not the majority of women in general, but it was like, like the, the, the tough women. Yeah. And the other ones were victims of sexual assault that have made a conscious decision to never be victimized again, did mm. the entire research on their own, found what is the one tool that can help them overcome a bad guy found that that tool was Krav Maga, searched, and then that's how they, and that's how they found us. Um, and well, can, like I I said, stop, can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, why, why do you think Krav Maga is the best for that purpose? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, well, Krav Maga, as a, as a form of self-defense, has no rules. So if you look at every other martial art, they follow some sort of rules, some sort of code. There's a lot of respect that needs to happen. Uh, most martial arts have a competitive aspect to it, right? So you got to play fair. The weights have to be this kind of the same. Like if you're in boxing or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or whatever, it's got to be the same weight, same right. size. You, you never see a male versus female boxing match, you know, or MMA fight. Or, like it doesn't happen. And, and the reason is because there's rules in place to make it fair. Krav Maga isn't about fair, okay? Like we do whatever we have to do to cause as much damage to an attacker and get home safely yeah and, right and because it was designed for uh soldiers in the israeli military like what what are really soldiers in the israeli military these are just 18 year old kids straight out of high school from all sorts of life you know it's very different than like you know in, in american military you you know they kind of like they draft people they pick they choose they promote like they they have like a hiring process yep in israel everybody's got to be a soldier so uh, so how do you take everybody, you know, the big, the small, the weak, the, the strong, the, the, the fat, the thin, the slow, the f- everybody, right? And you bring them to a level where they can handle themselves when they're going to see real violence. Because guess what? They're going to see real violence. Israelis wow. know that, you know, that place where there's one thing is guaranteed, you know, somebody's going to try to like hurt you if, you, if you're in uniform. So, I don't mean to laugh. That's not funny. It's not funny. It's just the truth. You know? Damn. Uh, past few weeks have been a uh, pretty good uh, testament to that as well. Absolutely, but, you know, it's not it's not a new it's not a new problem over there. But they're they're in a tough situation, right? Like Israel is a small place and it's surrounded by uh, by a lot of hate and, and enemies. So they needed to create a system that can be taught quickly. Like nobody has ten years to teach a soldier how to become a black belt in anything, right? Like they got to get them like ready to go within a few months, and it also needs to work. Like you can't just teach him something conceptual then throw him into the battle like that shit has to work in real life yeah um and the reason that it works is because it's 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 based around your already natural instincts so you don't have to learn anything hollywood or anything like crazy from a move perspective um and you hit very specific areas in the body that they break easily and those areas you're not allowed to do in any other martial art like in any yeah. other martial art you, you know you put a shin to the groin you're considered to be a cheater you know, in Krav Maga, you use your shin to the groin. You're like, good job. Like, that's yeah. how we do it. You know? <laughs> you got like, yeah, you got, you, you got, you got out. Um, so the entire mentality behind uh, and the mindset behind Krav Maga is one that does not accept victimization. And how long? Size, no matter your weight. Yeah. I love that, by the way. That's, it makes so much sense now. I remember watching a Friends episode. I don't know if you ever saw the show Friends back in the 90s. It's an American show. Yeah. Uh, but one of the main characters got assaulted and she learned Krav Maga. And the whole oh. episode was them running around yelling Krav Maga as they came around a corner. And oh, no kidding. I didn't see that episode. That was the first time I ever heard of it, but it makes Kinda so much sucks, sense. I probably watched like the 150 other episodes of Friends, but I didn't catch that one. There's that <laughs> one. It's, it's right up your wheelhouse, man. Yeah. Monica and Phoebe and all of them, they took Krav Maga together and it became like the whole point of the episode. Oh, that's um, but how long would you say it takes? And I, well, I swear we'll get back to your story, but I'm just really curious. No, of course. For yeah, 
how long would it take for someone walking in with no self-defense training to get to at least some level of adequate? So I can say that you can see some drastic changes in capabilities um, within like four, four to six months, you're in a completely different place than where you started. I would say wow. four to six months, you are able to recognize violence before it even begins. You're able to, to develop a certain confidence that even that deters people from even, even trying to get with you because you, you already know what you're capable of and that thing. There's an air to it, you know, when you when you walk when you walk around, uh, and there's a technical aspect that could really help you if something would happen. That takes about four to six months. However, the the things that you learn within hours could make the difference between you're being a victim and you're not being a victim. There's yeah. there's a few concepts and a few moves that if you if you've learned nothing else and you'll just learn those, practiced it a few times, it will give you a quick exit out of. Uh, out of a lot of uh, bad scenarios. Of course, it's not a, you know, it's not a, an insurance policy, and there's no 100% guarantees that it would happen. Sure. Um, but we do see people's reactions and how quickly they transform and they tap into that aggressive part of them that they've kept dormant. Especially women, you know, they're not supposed to like be in touch with their their aggressive part. How quickly they connect with it in the right atmosphere, and. Um, that's amazing. And, and yeah, so we can't, can't imagine a better, yeah. I can't imagine a better life skill to be able to add to somebody than that. Then mm-hmm. if, if somebody means you harm were to come across your path that you at least have a fighter's chance of getting away from that safely. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a great reason to wake up in the morning and give people this skill. Sure. And, so, and, the, and the thought process behind the skill, because it's not just about knowing the moves. It's about believing that you can overcome. Great yeah. Okay. I want to talk about that. I made a note of that. I want to talk about the mental aspect of that in a minute, but I do want to get back to your story. So you started the Krav Maga Academy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's working, but it's not quite the audience that you really felt passionate about right. reaching. Where did we go from there? We went to the drawing board and figure out what was missing. In fact, I had a quick conversation with, uh, with somebody at Harvard University. It was really funny and, and talking about my business and his business and was a much more successful human than I was. He was asking me, you know, so what do, what do, you, uh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a self-defense system and you're also getting shape. Long story short, he, go, he goes, well, why don't you switch it? Why don't you get, you know, when, when, why wouldn't the story be you get an amazing shape and then you also learn Krav Maga that way? You're in the fitness world, which is a much bigger market than the, you know, learn how to kill people world. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's brilliant. You know, I went back to New York. Learn how to kill people world. <laughs> it's a much smaller world, you know, yeah. like to learn yeah. how to hurt other people. Like that's not what, but my perfect client wakes up in the morning thinking they want to do today, right? Like they don't think about that, but they do think about getting in shape and lose weight and tone up and build muscle and get stronger and get faster and live a healthy lifestyle and be empowered. Like they think about all those things and you find those things in the world of fitness. So, you know, went back, made a couple of uh, big changes to Krav Maga, it was still Krav Maga Academy at the time, you know, added music and, and, and better like experience and a fashion line. And you know what, you can wear colors going forward. You don't have to just wear black because it's, you know, um, and, uh, and I redid the place with lights and stuff. Like I just, I made, I made a place very, very beautiful. Revenues went up, so, you know, like doubled, you know, like within mm. like eight months of that, of that chain. So I knew I was on the right, track and then um and then i had to admit to myself that you know what even the name krav maga academy is a hindrance to my perfect client my perfect client doesn't know what krav maga is you know my perfect client thinks that soul cycle is a decent workout and they (laughs) teach them better yeah show them something better yeah not you know not I get it. I get, it. I get it. I was inspired by Soul Cycle's story. I just don't think it's a good workout. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's an amazing story, like a brand story. So, um, so, so I needed to play on that field. So the name had to be changed, the experience had to be changed, the facility needed to be changed. So then I went big. I got a, I got a huge facility, nine thousand square feet, retail level, which is like the biggest in New York City right now for boutique fitness. Uh, changed the name to Fit Hit, created an entire entire curriculum that includes nutrition, weight loss, 
mindset training, uh, coaching, lifestyle, and you also learn how to defend yourself <laughs> kind of like in the end of that. And when we presented it to the market like that, it clicked. And that's mm. how we made it doing 5,000. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Then, then, we, then we kicked ass. Yeah. That's what year, what year was that? 2018? So it took, interestingly, <laughs> um, it took me about two years to build out FitHit. It was a big undertaking to build, you know, it was built throughout 2018 and 2019. The actual grand opening of it, of the location, was January 2020. No. And, yeah, and we had to close down March 2020. We had like two and a half months before COVID hit us. Uh, however, we were, however, we were uh, operating during the construction time, uh, during 2019, during the construction time. And... Uh, and that showed us really what we're capable of. Yeah. We were significantly busier, more successful and so far than any of the other gyms that were out there and they were all complete gyms. And we were not a complete gym yet and we were kicking everybody's butt. So it was, uh, it was great. So even though we had to close two months after grand opening, we still feel very good about what we, what we have to offer. Oh, of course. Yeah, you get to market test it that first yeah. year. Now you mentioned when you were thinking about your perfect customer yeah. and my perfect customer doesn't even you know know what this is they they prefer this they think soul cycle is a great workout was that an exercise like i'm familiar with exercise like that like creating your your ideal avatar for your customer what is that just language you use or did you sit down and think like who specifically am i targeting and create almost a profile of that person then design the business around that oh you know i know exactly who i'm targeting i know her name <laughs> You yes, know, I know her age. I know what she likes to read. I know who she likes to hang out with. I know who she takes advice from. I know what she looks at, you know, what she feels like when she looks in the mirror in the morning. I know, you know, her secret desires. I know her non-secret desires. I know what she's behaving on social media. Uh, I've gone through an extensive, extensive process of learning the person that I would like to help the most. Um, it was, was there a process that you followed that prompted that discovery? Yeah, yeah. So it was part of, you know, I, I've got some, some business coaching and then I, uh, I used that, um, you know, that specific one I got from Alex Sharfin. Great program, by the way. Uh, yeah. Highly recommended. Cool guy, good friend. Um, and you know, what we used is we used an interview process where I just spoke to those that I consider to be our avatar. Many, many, many interviews where I asked them, hundreds of questions you know over a period of, of long time just to get a real deep understanding of, of what moves them and that helped us create a program during covid that was even more powerful than the program before covid mm. because even though we had to shut down our operation in covid we never stopped really operating we switched to an online transformation programming and even though people could not come to our beautiful gorgeous two-year build-out facility um we were still able to serve that client on a very high level and change their life and their physique and their, their mind and, their, and the way they see themselves. And it's because we understood who the avatar was and what they needed from us. So, so the question was, okay, we knew what they needed from us uh, before COVID. What do they need from us today? And it's different. Like what they needed from us during COVID was different than what they needed before COVID. Did you ask them? How did you find out what they needed during COVID? Well, I kind of ask myself, what would I need? Mm. Like, right? like, what what do I feel right now? You know, like, like before COVID, it was like, you know, you go to a gym like that because you know you have a day, and then you go and you like bang it out, and it's like, it's it's a, it's a great mood mood increase and so on. But but what if like your job and your gym and your social life and your it's everything in that same like room, and it's all through this like tiny ass computer. And, you know, you're talking to me about working out and I don't even have, people had a hard time getting out of bed in the mm. morning, you know, like there was, there was a lot of emotions, uh, negative emotions that were connected to the, uh, a lot of negative emotions that were connected to the first month of COVID, right? People lost control of sure. their lives. And when you lose control, you start spiraling down, depression, anger, um, sadness, anxiety, these are all like it was, it was hitting people for real. So we had to create the antidote to that. I can feel like that's what people need right now. So let's give, let's give them that instead. And we created a coaching program that is so intertwined with your life 
you know it's not like one hour like three hours a week it's like okay you wake up in the morning boom 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 this is what you eat this is what you do this is that. like every day mm. like we are with you hour to hour day to day every like the whole time like we're always there it's, it's a crazy program we've created um and it is that still available to- online oh yeah now that that became actually a really big product all all on its own um and we're serving the entire United States. We don't, we're not limited to New York with that. It's called the Legacy Program. Where do they find yeah. it if, if they're listening right now? You know what? If you want to go to fitheatchallenge.com, we have a, we have a free five-day intro to that program where like, we give you in five days basically everything you need to know about transformation. And if you want somebody to hold you accountable to that program, then you can jump on and join the program. Or cool. the information that you learn, do it, do it on your own. Like we, give you, we give you the blueprint that we've created, uh, fitheatchallenge.com. Cool. Five-day challenge starts Monday, by the way. Let's go. Check it out, audience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that. So, you know, so we changed the name. We changed everything. And, um, and we've added this unbelievable level of accountability because that's what people needed. People didn't just need a workout, right? Like, why would you pay for a workout? You go online. Everything is free. People didn't just need a meal plan. You go online. You put 10 minutes into it. You can figure out a meal plan. Yeah. Sticking to it. That's where people fail. Right? How do you guys offer accountability? Uh, so we developed an app that is a communication app where people get all of their training designed for them, all of the nutrition designed for them, and their combat training built into the app. And there is a coach on the other side. So whenever they need a coach, it's in their pocket. They got, they got a human on the other side waiting to hold them accountable. And if they don't do something that they're supposed to do, we see it. Mm. The app. So we reach out to them like, hey, you missed the workout. Hey, you missed your, you know, the things you're supposed to do this morning. Hey, you missed your thing. What's going on? The fact that somebody cares about you on the other side created, uh, it's, it's skyrocketed, skyrocketed success rates for people. Um, Huge. And yeah, so we became extremely result oriented, right? Like we, you know, you set goals in the beginning of the program. You don't follow what we think is right. Like you set your own goals. I want to lose X amount of pounds. I want to look like this. I want to learn this. I want to be this strong and so on. It's a long conversation. You know, it's a dialogue. You, 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 you frame your goals. Once you do that, you get the program that will get you to your goals. And then you get the coach that makes sure that you actually follow the program. When you do that, success rate is close to 100%. Mm. You know, you want to lose 20 pounds, done. Okay, that's it. Get started, <laughs> lose 20 pounds. Yeah, it's very, I'm telling you, it's, it's so wow. straightforward. Yeah, you want to get stronger? Cool. How do you accomplish how do you accomplish like let's say the strength, the the getting stronger and even the the um Krav Maga aspects when people are at home and and likely don't have weights or kettlebells or anything like that? How did you guys a- approach that? Yeah. So we start with calisthenics, which for most people is more when you do it right in the right formulas of strength, um you can see drastic results in their in their strength, but then as they progress through the program, we send them equipment it's a part of the program. Sometimes oh. they don't even know it. They don't even accept it, expect it. But we send them the gear that they would need to take them to the next level. Each level comes with its own gear. Um, sometimes we tell them. Sometimes we like to surprise it with them. Um, and then the program then follows, you know, in using the gear. And then for the fight aspect, you know, we created a TOW, which is a technique of the week, where they have to learn a technique through videos that we've created. We've created these high-level videos with all these angles and all of this. It's really cool stuff. And they can see what the technique looks like. Uh, and then they record a video of themselves performing the technique. And then the, their coach is giving them real video feedback about their form. Yeah. And it's better than class because for that moment in time, the coach is only focusing on you. Like there's no other students. They're only focusing on you and that one technique. So each week you learn this new piece of the puzzle. You go through 16 weeks. You can really kick ass, you know, cause it's a yeah. second forced thing. Um, Cool program. You know, we're very proud in that, in that program. It has done a lot of good. It's changed a lot of lives. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm curious, you are clearly very, very business smart and innovative and creative with the level of detail and offerings and even sending people the equipment and thinking to give them this accountability through the app. Did you have any ideas that you thought were going to be awesome that when you release them out, they're like, ah, that didn't accomplish the goal or they didn't really take to that? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, for every success story that we have, I could probably share six flops. 
that, mm. that that didn't go. We've created multiple offerings throughout time. We, um, you know, we saw things that looked like they're supposed to work and then they didn't work. Um, I know in the world of like lead generation, lead generation became a whole other ever-changing uh, puzzle that you just have to right because like things that work today don't work tomorrow uh, Facebook just becomes more and more shitty as a company like over time <laughs> it's just art you know yeah. like I'll be the first one to say it you know they yeah. just they're they they're a shit company um, as a person who paid them like a million bucks already right like I'm yeah. telling that you know as a client <laughs> not, not, not as a person who hits likes and dislikes right as a person who spent like a significant amount of fucking money on that company yeah um they uh yeah yeah there's a there's a huge lack of, of consistency from um, something that i would expect at that size right for the, to be able to yeah. the storm. Uh, it hasn't gotten easier over time it's only gotten harder over time so even things that worked for a short amount of time then started not working and things that uh, we thought are going to be incredible ended up flopping and did not attract uh the right people the right people in um so yeah i mean you know failures do you have talk about failures all day long yeah. Do you have a philosophy for how you guys try out a new product or service or lead gen thing? Do you do you start small and, and just get a minimum viable product out there as quickly as possible to see how the market responds? Or do you take your time and build something fully out and then put a lot of resources behind it? Like yeah, how do you so, how do you guys so, test your new ideas? So the way that we do it, right? So I'm not I'm not a one man show. I've um I've been fortunate to build a team around me that is very smart, very creative. Uh, very supportive and very loyal and um, and it's not just okay I have an idea let's try it out it's we have a meeting we run a bunch of ideas right so we throw ideas and then the ideas come out what should we do next and then you know you get like a bunch of them on, on the board and then okay what do we really like out of this right so we start like narrowing it down to what we think is going to be the best one and then we then we hammer it out together what that should look like and who's responsible for what and how we're going to get to do it uh, but when we launch, we launch. Like we launch usually with good products. We don't start small. Um, we we move fast. So like speed is something that's very important for us. But you don't see us cutting corners on quality before launching something out. Gotcha. So like, like client satisfaction is something that we are really passionate about. You know, like there was a time... You know, I, I would personally lose sleep at every negative Yelp review that I got. It would sure. ruin my week. Yeah, I would sure. take those personally. <laughs> and at some point, my team was like, all right, you're not allowed to look at Yelp anymore. Like, that's our problem because, because we don't like a depressed CEO. You know? yes. And, it, does, and it, it didn't even matter that we have a 4.9 average with like 1,100 whatever positive reviews and three negative ones. I would like get pissed off at the negative ones because they were so personal. <laughs> like, dude, you don't yes. even get it. Um, but I, <laughs> so I, you know, so I, uh, I'm like, I moved, like I moved away from, from, from that. Um, but the, but the reason that we have a, a lot of, a lot of positive feedback online is because we don't roll out shit products. Okay. Even the products that failed, they failed at the attraction level, but they would not have failed at the performance level. Yeah. The execution okay? of it. The execution. Yeah. So there is, there is you know, client acquisition, you know, delivery, like, you know, and then how to keep them later on. So the delivery could be amazing, but if you fail at the client acquisition, that program never really had a chance to, to show what it could, what it could do. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, yeah. That's pretty much. That's awesome. Well, yeah. you, when you mentioned the, the Yelp reviews, there's a famous story that I always think about that rung true for me. And it sounds like for you, uh, Larry David was the creator of Seinfeld. He wrote also Curb Your Enthusiasm, another big hit. Yeah. And he got honored in the city of New York at a Yankees game in the seventh inning uh, where they brought him, you know, highlighted him. The whole crowd cheered for him, which was like a life dream of his being born and raised in New York, filming Seinfeld in New York. And his favorite team is honoring him. So he's got like, you know, I don't know, 80,000 people, however many fit in Yankee Stadium or cheering his name. And then on the way out, best day ever. On the way out, he's in the parking lot. Somebody pulls by, rolls their window down, said, hey, Larry David. He's like, yeah. And he goes, you suck, and drove <laughs> off. And he was being interviewed, and he said that was the day he realized that 1,000 fans plus one critic equals one critic. 
And that he was like, <laughs> that was the thing that stuck with him. Not the, not the hundred thousand fans, but the one person he's like, who was that guy? Why did he say I suck? What's wrong with me? And then he had to go on his own journey of not listening to the critics and not letting that outweigh all the positive stuff that's happening. Right. But, but it's, it's a very human thing to be more fixated on the one negative rather than the 5,000 positive reviews. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I can tell you, um, it ruined the vacation once for me and my wife. I rated the negative Yelp review while we were on vacation. And I had to like promise her that I will never ever do that again on our time together because it ruins like the time together. Um, you know, I've grown since I gotta tell you, like I, I, I understand today that I'm not everybody's cup of tea and some people are gonna hate my mission and they're going to put roadblocks on our mission and they're going to be against it. Uh, and now I'm fine with that. So I actually have no problem with one star reviews and five star reviews are cool. I have a problem with three star reviews. Like huh. those, <laughs> those are the ones I'm upset about. It's like, I felt like a three star review, like a one star review is like, all right, that person is just, it's not a good fit. It's not for them. Yeah. It's not for them, you know, it's a, he's not for us. That's the way I like to see it. You know, it's not that we're not for them. It's that they're not for us. They don't, they don't fit. I like that. That we see the world. So that's why it's one star. Three stars means they could have been, but we may have, we may have screwed up uh, with that person uh, specifically. Do you do you intentionally pay attention to those or or not? Like yeah yeah. I mean, like I said, more most recently, I have other people that are paying attention to that, and they have their own process to follow to figure out what happened and why things are wrong. And nice. So I don't have to deal with this because you know, I like to protect protect my my psyche and my <laughs> and my emotional well-being uh but back back when i was looking on it yeah yeah back when i was looking on it it was you know this was three stars which weren't a lot like those weren't a lot they either totally hated us which was totally super cool with or totally loved us changed my life super cool with the, the ones in the middle this is this is where you learn how to get better i feel yeah it's, it's in the one in the middle right like the ones that are saying this is the this is the most horrible thing that ever happened to me in my life. Dude, what kind of life have you experienced? Right. right. <laughs> you know, showing up to a class that was overbooked was the worst thing that ever happened to you. You know, right, <laughs> right, like, right. Holy shit. Like that's the level of victimization that you live in. Like that victimized you. The fact <laughs> that the class was fucking overbooked. <laughs> you know, like, all right. Clearly you're not in a place of, uh, you know, you, you don't fit, you know, you can't hang yeah. with this. To, like that, that wouldn't bother me. Yeah, but the three star review that says, the "Man, three cool, stars, cool concept," yeah. but but man, no one no one reached out to me directly or, or something that you're like, "Oh, that was a customer service issue," or that was exactly. Yeah, they could have been a good fit. It could have been a good fit, and then we we failed to see their emotions through the class, for example, right? So if they were going through the class, uh, it's an emotional class usually. It's high intensity. It's fun. It's music. But people go through an emotional journey when they're in that class. Um, and, uh, and the trainers, you know, they're trained to recognize that. They train to recognize when somebody is experiencing something that may be, may be triggering an emotion or a memory or something difficult that happened to them in the past while, wow. they're, uh, while they're kind of like reliving it in class. And then we're very good at maneuvering through that and getting people through it and making them stronger on the other side of it. Um, but if, if it's missed, which doesn't happen often, but when it is, it's, it's a good eye opener. Those three star reviews are a way to make the business better. Yeah. You know, like those reviews I take seriously more than the, that's so helpful. That is seriously, that, that might be the, the best takeaway someone listening could, could, could hear is like five stars. Great. They were a perfect fit for you. Zero stars. One star wasn't a good fit for you. Three stars, we can learn something, right? Three stars is where the this is where the money is. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm curious, and I know there's no way you could give me all the training and philosophy and all that kind of stuff about leading people through those emotional mental blocks, but could you give us an idea of an example of how you're coaching people to help someone through? You mentioned earlier self doubt, self limitations, or maybe they're triggered by by something, and you can tell in the class they're having an emotional experience. How do you help mm -hmm. people overcome that? So we actually built a curriculum. It's a 16-week mental fortitude curriculum that, uh, that I put together through my very unique experience 
want to start it with special ops. Special ops has a different lens through which they look at problems and difficulties and obstacles, which is different than people that have not gone through that type of training. They don't look at the obstacle and see the same thing. And then I was working with uh, professional athletes and athletes on a very high level, world champions, you know, people that everybody know their names, you know, in the MMA world. Um, and I see, you know, and I got to learn how they, you know, look at difficulties and, and, um, and, and see, see life through their lens, which is very, uh, so when you look at the best in the world and how they do seeing the best athletes in the world, the best law enforcement in the world, I traveled all over the world, trained law enforcement, you know, um, so I could see even how different cultures handle adversity. Uh, and then my own personal journey, Sure. Um, you know, I was obese, you know, growing up, I was like not good at anything physical. I got my ass kicked on a daily basis, you know, so I had to go through and I was poor, you know, <laughs> I came to the States with nothing, you know, I, I had to, you know, my, you know, I started, I was sleeping in a boiler room of a building, literally next to the boiler of the building, Whoa. the basement of the building on a mattress on the floor. That was my start in the United States. So I had to go through a process of, of growth and beating my own demons, right. And the way to, where I am today. Um, so when I, so I, I feel like it's a unique experience that have, that I put a tremendous amount of time distilling it into a curriculum, okay? Into subject matters of how to look at things. And, and we teach it to our students once a week in auto, all the students to come in together and I run them through that mental fortitude aspect of the training. Wow. And then I challenge them to connect the dots between what they've learned to something they're dealing with in their lives today. And they do it. And they do it in a group setting that is very warm and kind and private. Okay. Like this is not something we talk about on the outside. And they see how things that would normally hinder their growth can now either be looked at either as an opportunity or as the next thing I need to smash as opposed to the next thing that's going to stop me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like I said, but it is, it is a, it is a, it is a long process which is a combination of special ops and high-level uh, uh, world-class athleticism and my own Good. personal business journey. That, that you got a lot of stuff. I'm going to check out myself, man. This is this is <laughs> awesome. I'm so I'm so inspired by you. You know, I'm in the coaching world as well, and uh, just the level I can tell the caliber and the level of what you've thought through these different mechanics of growth is world-class like everything from nutrition to fitness to mental fortitude, all that kind of stuff, man, is world-class. Um, really hope whoever's listening can, can check out those programs. Even the mental fortitude one sounds incredible. And I'm curious, have you seen any of those apply or do you change? Like, okay, so someone's listening and they don't just have a challenge, but let's say they feel addicted to something. Man, I'm addicted to food or to alcohol or to stimulants or something, and that's part of my health journey. How do you encourage those people that feel so defeated, like something's got them and they can't get, they can't get out of the grip of that, right? Yeah, well, it's really, even, so we look at language patterns, right? Like when you say those things, even the way, if you take a look at the words that you chose to use to, def, to define the problem, mm. I am addicted, I'm in the grip of this thing and I can't get out of it. How can you help me? I can't. Mm. That's how you define yourself. You're defining yourself as a person that is unhelpable. Step one, let's redefine the problem, right? Because the words that you are using are obsolete. Okay? Mm. You're addicted. You're in the grip of the thing and you can't change it. And what can I tell you? You're fucked. <laughs> Unless, you know, like, everything you told me right now is unchangeable. It's unmovable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. okay so let's, so let's take a look at the problem from a different angle. Okay. Why do you think you're addicted? You know, why do you think this is, why do you think this is, this is it? And what we normally do is we're able to connect the dots between emotion and behavior. Yeah. Okay? So you're not addicted to carbs. You currently use carbs as a solution to an emotional state of being because you don't have any other solution to it. Mm. You know? Mm. Like, yeah. okay, do you agree with that? Or are you still addicted to carbs? You know what I mean? Right, right. Usually they're like, no, you're absolutely right. It's like, it's not like you wake up in the morning, carbs, carbs, carbs until noon. You take a nap, you wake up, carbs, carbs, carbs until dinner. You know what I mean? Body you goes to withdrawal because you have carbs. You watch Seinfeld and you eat carbs until you go to bed. 
that's addicted to carbs. You talk to an addicted to heroin, like it's that's a different level, right? Yeah. Um, but when do you eat carbs? When like okay, eat carbs at night. Why? What's going through your mind at night? What is triggering your need to go and cheat on your on yourself, basically, on your health, on your diet, on your on your lifestyle? When does that happen? So we force you to ask those questions. Come up with real answers to when and why. And when you do that, it's like, okay, cool. So now, now we know that you're using carbs to, to solve something that carbs can't solve. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like that yeah. feeling of loneliness and emptiness in your heart, you're using carbs to fill that hole. Uh, but carbs don't have the solution to that. That's where you're going to continue eating it forever and feeling like shit forever, right? Like that's a cycle that we always perpetuate. So good. Right? So how do we solve loneliness? Let's hit that problem. You know, how do we solve boredom? Which a lot of people go to food when they're bored. Let's solve that problem. You know, how do we solve uh, anger or the relationship issues that you're currently stuck in? Okay. You're in a fight with your, with your boyfriend, girlfriend. What do you do? You go eat ice cream. Okay. Did the ice cream help? Take your relationship to the fucking next level? No, right? No. Okay. <laughs> so you're not addicted to ice cream. You're using ice cream to solve a problem ice cream can't solve. Okay. Wow. Now, here's the thing. When you're dealing with the real trigger, that's harder. Like, it's way harder than ice cream. Right? Like ice cream is easy. It's like right there. And ice cream and carbs and junk food generally is designed, literally designed to make you feel good instantaneously. Right? Sugar makes us feel good. Uh, but it's only for a short duration of time. And it doesn't solve what caused you to feel bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay? So when you figure out what caused you to feel bad, then you can go and attack that. And sometimes that involves having hard conversations. And having hard conversations requires a certain amount of confidence. And you get that confidence when you don't give a shit about human aggression. And you don't give a shit about human aggression when you know how to handle yourself. Wow. So it's all interconnected. Yeah. You know, like when you are not afraid of human aggression, you have no problem having hard conversations with people that you love, with people that you don't like, with your employees, with your partners, with anybody around you, because you're confident that no matter what happens in the result of that conversation, it will be in your benefit. We either continue doing this or we don't. Either way, there's going to be a decision that is being made today. And, uh, and a lot of people will go to ice cream and not have the conversation. You know, they'll go to carbs and sugar and all this other stuff and, uh, and not solve that problem. So yeah. This would be like, so this would be like one tool, okay, that, that we talk about. And then, and then guess what? And then people, they would feel it, you know, two days later. There would be a need for ice cream that was a result yeah. from a you know, negative conversation or a negative something that caused it. And instead of going to the fridge, they'll deal with it. Yeah. They'll have the hard conversation. They'll create the friction. They're not going to avoid the friction, which kept them mediocre their entire lives. They'll celebrate the friction. And then they're going to go through the friction, feeling very maybe overwhelmed if it's the first time they're doing that. But then guess what? There's all the community of fit hit people behind you that will be that will be right there for you with open arms. You know, like, like, don't worry about it. Like you're not alone. Go do this thing. You're not going to end up alone. Even if you have to break off a relationship, walk away from something that you've built or all these other hard decisions that just move you forward in life, we celebrate it with you. So there's, a, there's that big aspect of community support that helps you through those hard decision moments and hard conversations. They're being shared with, yeah. with the group and it's always a win. You know? Man. It's, it's always a win. And that's how people move up, by the way. It's when they don't accept the status quo. Yeah. They don't, accept, they don't accept average existence. That's so good, man. Uh, it makes me think of a client I was working with that was, he was real high up in doing financial uh, management and planning. And he was talking about this one client that every time he talked to him would just go, he had so much aggression. He was always angry, yelling about things and found out from other people in the company, he was doing the same thing to them. And he was wanting to talk about it because he would get so like um, shut down in his own emotions. And where I was like, man, what's it about? He's like, is this guy's yelling at me? I was like, it's not about the guy yelling at you. What is this really about? And then he had a light bulb that his dad was very verbally abusive and made him feel two inches tall and weak and powerless and helpless. Yeah. And we, we, we talked about like, well, you're not that kid anymore. And that's not your dad. That's a guy who's that got anger and aggression. That's nothing to do with you. And even if it does, I said, can you just sit there and let it wash over you without moving? That it's just, it's just, 
hot air coming out of him and just washes over. You sit up tall, you breathe in deep. And when he's done, ask him if he's done. So are you done? Right? Like, are you, are you done? Did you get it all out? And he called me back the other day and he's like, Oh my God. He's like, I did it. I was able to stay me and stay confident and stay calm. And actually had a breakthrough with this guy where the guy's like, I'm sorry, man, I'm taking this out on you. This is not about you. And actually got to get a connection with this guy, you know, versus reacting and punching back or, well, you know, that's, cowering. That's, that's confidence, right? Like confidence yes. is, is, um, is undervalued these days. I don't think people look at confidence the same way. Confidence is not, I don't know. That's just me like paying attention to like where the wind blows these days. People think that being self-deprecating is being confident. I think that's something you see a lot today. You know, people will yeah. something that's a little bit imperfect about them and they're like feel that they're confident because they're sharing that imperfection. That's not what this is like for real. Like real confidence is, uh, I guess it's a part of it, but, but real confidence is, is, is doing the things that are really hard. Yes. That are making you feel really uncomfortable, but you know, I can do they it. are necessary. They know that they are necessary to take you to that next level. And if you don't have the confidence because you're afraid of friction, okay, human aggression, um, then you will forever, you know, will have to just accept your circumstances. All right, you have to you you live in circumstances, in yeah. circumstance world. Um, and fit hit, we don't believe in circumstance world. We don't believe in circumstances at all. Um, the whole mindset shifts to uh, what we like to call an internal locus of control, very yes. strong internal locus of control, almost obsolete internal locus of control, which means everything 100% is happening in my life is a result of my thoughts and actions and have nothing to do with anything external. Not the fact that the COVID, the government, who's in power, the markets are up, down, you know, minimum wages, this, that. Gives a fuck. These are all external shit. You know, I always tell them if my sales team comes back to me and told me they didn't hit gold because of the economy, they know they're like fired immediately. They <laughs> pointed outwards to a problem yeah. <laughs> that yeah. needs to be sold inwards. Right? You can't tell me the economy. Right? Figure it out. Yeah, tell me the economy. You know how I know the economy is fine? Elon Musk just sold a bunch of Teslas to a bunch of people. Yeah. He lives in the same economy. So, um, so if anybody can do it, then we can do it too. Yeah. Right? Anybody can do it, we can do it too. We're playing in the same universe using the same 24 yeah. hours. And, um, and as long as you believe it, then you can start seeing results, especially when it comes to your physique. Like it starts with, you know, the weight loss and the becoming stronger, right? You first have to believe that you can actually go through that process. A lot of people don't believe, right? Because they're addicted or because their genetics or some other story they've been telling themselves their whole life. And, you know, nobody's a fucking special snowflake. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're calories in, calories out, <laughs> proteins in, protein out, workout. <laughs> you'll, you'll see results. Like, there's no, yeah. there's really no magic formula here. It's just got to go through the process and stop believing your own bullshit and on the way and you'll be fine. Man, that is so good. And what's funny, though, is if you hear this, like if someone takes a sound clip, luckily I'm not as... I'm not as popular as Joe Rogan or something like that. So you have a low likelihood of getting a lot of hate. But if what I've noticed is when messages like that are broadcast broadly, it's very easy for people to feel offended by that message. But if it's communicated one-to-one and you're just, you're literally just talking to somebody about their life, they will, they will digest that and say, you're, you know what? You're right. And feel empowered by it. Dude, week they, seven, week seven, we talk about how being offended is a choice. Yeah. You know, you can choose to be offended or you can choose not to be offended. And that's, yes. that's, that's the thing. And that's now empowering. We, You're putting the control back in the person. Absolutely. hundred percent. The choice is back in you. Yeah. And it was funny because we do say this message and we do broadcast this message, uh, you know, when, when I'm, you know, on podcasts or, or whatever, I, I, uh, I would normally say something that would rub some people the wrong way and will offend other people. And in fact, some people told me the things that I said were offensive. And then when they heard me say that being offended is also a choice, they found that offensive. And I was like, I would love to just continue working with you. Yeah, one-on-one. You know, like, Talk like, to, to you. me. Like, I don't really do one-to-one, but like, come to my, come to my, you know, come to my world. Because once you do, like, once you start coming to this world, you will see that nothing can hurt you. Nothing can offend you. You become bulletproof. You become mm. emotionally bulletproof. Nobody can bring you down when you start owning. Like, no, nothing external can bring you down. 
Now, you try really hard something and you fail, you know, you can have feelings of failures that are going to bring you down. But there's not, not one human, a different human being that can say something that, that will ruin your day today. Okay? Yeah. And that's, that's a certain growth that I had to go through myself. And, uh, and now I'm, I'm helping other people to go through, through that. Amazing. As well. there, there's no such thing as being offended. Um, which I know it's, it's not popular, but you know, my team knows that, and, and we'll say it all the time, like we have no problem with people don't agreeing with us and you know, having a divisive message, right? Like you can be on, on this side of the world that makes a decision that everything we do is based on our own set of beliefs, emotions, and actions, or you can be on the other side that just accepts what the world gives them. Mm-hmm. And looks at the world as this, uh, and their life as this unchangeable, unmovable set of circumstances. And if you choose to live in that world, you will find my words offensive. And I don't really care. Because <laughs> I care about the people who want to cross over. Okay? We want to yeah. move from the world of want to the world of get. Like you want to move to the world of want to the world of get? There's a process. Mm. Okay? There's a process to go from the world of want to the world of Most people will forever live in the world of want. And they will live vicariously through their social media of other rich people that are living in the world of want. They would look at nice cars. They would look at nice hotels. They would imagine one day, maybe what if, you know, you ask them what their biggest thing in life is like, oh man, I wish I win the lottery. You know what I mean? Like we, like we, again, it's an, what's winning the lottery, right? It's an external fucking achievement, nothing to do with your skill level. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what do you wish? You wish you win the lottery? Did you play the lottery today? No. Okay, so you're literally doing nothing to better your position. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could have at least bought a ticket. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, if you didn't even put the dollar into the maybe getting the hundred million dollar award, you have a you have a hundred percent chance of failing. Yes. Even even at the made up shit that you think is going to take you to the next level. Uh, and yeah, so that's um. Man, I. Uh, I love this. I I do. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I. That was the world I had to cross over from. So I'm not I'm not even saying I love it in terms of like, I want everybody to hear this. I'm a tough guy. And no, like I had so many things that I found myself basically acting like a victim, right? And the most empowering thing that ever happened to me was I realized I could change my life. And that if I would focus on what I could control, my life would start moving forward, right? Yeah. And so that's why I like it because it, it just, I feel like you're coaching me right now. And I, I like that. Voice. Well, I can tell you that a lot, a lot of it, a lot of people that we, we work with are actually are, are entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs would naturally gravitate to um, to a, to a message that help them create their own world. Because what do entrepreneurs do? They create. Right? Like that's, that's right. In, the, in, in its essence, an entrepreneur is a creator to to a degree. They they go out there and they create something that just wasn't there before. Um, and but but they're also very human. You know, they also come with yep. a lot of self-doubt and self-limiting beliefs about what they're capable of and, and what they deserve in life. That's the thing. A lot of people don't even believe that they deserve the greatness that they, that they could achieve. And like I said, you know, I came from, I came from shit. I came from extremely, extremely humble beginnings. You know, I grew up poor and I started very poor here and I barely knew the language and I didn't even have like the right paperwork to work at the illegal jobs that I was working at. And... And, but you know what I mean? But, but that was the situation, you know? Um, so was the military, so, so I'm, was the, was the military experience, was that a catalyst for you in a lot of this mindset shift and confidence and things like that? Or was it a different catalyst? Well, the, the military was one, it was, it was one aspect. Okay. The military was one aspect of what can be done. Okay, I can't tell you that I had a great time in the military. Like some of that shit was really hard, and, and I hated it. But but it but it did um, refocused what what can I do? What can you do in a certain amount of time? You know, like at some point you got to wrap your head around sleeping six hours a night. I was like, okay, that's cool. So that means the days. Okay, then you go a little further in the training, and now it becomes six hours a week. Like, okay, so if I'm only sleeping six hours a week. All of a sudden, six hours enough is like a luxury, right? Mm. <laughs> like you go, right? Like when you, when you go from sleeping nine hours a night to six hours a night, it feels like a nightmare. When you go from sleeping six hours a night to six hours a week, now there's a new nightmare. You go back to six hours a week. You're like, holy shit, I'm 
wasting all this time sleeping now. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there's a certain level of sleep every athlete needs. You know, I'm not saying don't sleep. It's part of the athletic process. But But that showed you the limitations. But but, but exactly. There is no limitations. Just because everybody's zigging doesn't mean you should also zig. You could zag and see and see what happens. Okay. Just because everybody's spiraling down in a rabbit hole, an emotional rabbit hole, because the world is on lockdown, doesn't mean we can't be like super happy, successful, you know, moving upwards and making a difference in people's lives. Like we don't have to accept that, that fact. In fact, I did a video two weeks into COVID. It's really funny. It was really telling, kind of telling the future video. And I said in that video, um, Uh, it was read to my students and I said something like, I, you know, my hunch tells me that a lot of businesses will survive this. This was back in March, you know, like just started. A lot of businesses would not survive this, but I believe that we are going to survive it because we're going to figure out a way to over deliver to you guys. And we're going to figure out a way to make your lives better. Um, and fast forward, we just received some context. 44% of the fitness industry have been wiped out during COVID, 44%. Gosh, it's like that's a whole lot of that's a whole lot of people, you know. Yeah, that's, that's, oh, the, yeah. Entire, that's the entire workforce. It's millions of people uh, across the United States. And for us, it was okay. You know, pandemic. We can't do this. We can't do that. It's just another obstacle for us to figure out. It's just like we would have obstacles before COVID, we'll have obstacles after COVID. COVID is just another obstacle, yeah, a large one. <laughs> I'm gonna admit it wasn't an easy one. Um, but if anybody can do it, then we can do it too. And, th- and I'm telling you, once you get fully committed to that idea, like fully committed, not just say it, but live it day in and day out. There is not, there's nothing with it that's out of reach, including the body of your dreams, including the physique, the strength, the speed, the, the athleticism. You know, everything is within reach. Buddy, I love this. We could talk for hours. We've already taken an hour of your time. So I want to make sure we we honor that and I want to get to these lightning round questions. So I'm going to start with number one. If you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be? Uh, that's what you got and you're going to win with that. Okay. Like- <laughs> that's it. That's what I learned in the military. Like no matter what, no matter what, that's what we got and we're going to win with that. It's simple, yes. but it solves 99.9% of all problems. Come on. That's what yeah. you got. We're going to win with that. I That's love what that. what you got. You're going to win with that. Yeah. Yeah. Heck no, yeah. no, no. Do okay with that. You're going to win with that. That's very different than just like survive with that. Yeah. So you're going to win with that. Um, I love it. Okay. Number two. Yeah. What is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And also what was the worst? All right. So the single best advice... Um, I even know who gave it to me and when they gave it to me. It was given to me by Alex Sharfin, which and anybody, anybody in business should get on board with like listening to that guy, get on his podcast, join his program. The guy is a really, was a real game changer for me and my business. Um, but the advice that he gave me was to get into the passenger seat in my business, not, not to hang on to the driver's seat, which mm. for me as a, as a young entrepreneur was, insane like what are you talking about i'm the driver this is my business this car this is my business i drive it and he um very intelligently showed me that it's better to sit in the passenger seat point where to go and have your team run the car you know like drive the car figure out all the stuff around the business um you know he also gave us the tools of how to how to actually be able to do that uh but that was a learned skill you know, I didn't have those skills uh, prior to knowing Alex. And, uh, and that, that is 100% one of the biggest change catalysts in my business. How do you spell his last name? Sharfen is C-H-A-R-F-E-N. Okay, cool. Okay. By the way, Inc. 500 winner also multiple times. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Inc. 500, not 5,000. Like yeah. percent yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just Great, great guy and, and a great coach. Cool, I'll check so him out. The, the worst business advice, uh, the worst business advice was given to me by a, uh, by an actual former partner of mine. He's no longer a partner. But there was a time between Krav Maga Academy and FitHit where we were kind of homeless. Like we ran out of the leasing area in Manhattan for Krav Maga Academy. 
and Fitted didn't have a location. We didn't even have a lease or a billet or anything. And we had to figure out like, where are we going to be? We have all these students, all this equipment, what are we going to do? And the advice was, go smaller, think small, move out of Manhattan to Brooklyn, get a nice cheap little place, you know, get a nice profit. And then later on, you know, maybe you can think big. And I did not take that advice. I went into like the other side of it. And I was like, no, I don't have much, but I'm going to build the biggest motherfucking monster that there is in Manhattan. And, uh, and I'm going to do it with very little because that's what we got. And we're going to win with that. And, uh, and you know what? It, and it took me two years to, to be able to do that. It took me a year of bouncing around every two and a half months to some temporary location, uprooting all my students, uh, which was painful. But if I had followed that advice and got comfortable thinking small, yeah, there is no way that even you and I would probably have this conversation today. Wow. You know, I would still be some neighborhood schmuck trying to like make a living student to student. Um, so I would recommend to everybody, think big. That's so good. Oh, being small. tempted to think small and scared. And you stuck to your, you stuck mm -hmm. to your values, your worldview. No, that's not the way yeah. I do it. No, and, and it was harder. You know, it's harder to think big. It's way more painful to think big. There's a lot less money in the beginning when you think big. <laughs> There's a lot less of it. Um, you can make a small profit thinking small and that's, and that's okay. But that wasn't the impact that I wanted to create. I didn't want to create a neighborhood impact. I want to create a global mm. impact. I do to do a global impact from a small place in Brooklyn. So yeah. good. Yeah. Ah, I love it. All right, number three. What causes you the most stress or worry leading your organization? Three-star reviews. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, no, um, uh, right now, stress, not that much. I think I mitigate stress very, very well. What, um, what does keep me on my toes, I would say, is the level of responsibility that I have to date towards our clientele. They, they put so much faith in our uh, advice and direction that I, I, like, I can't screw that up. I always have to be on top of my game and I always have to be 10 steps ahead of them, which requires me to continuously you know, up my game uh, you know, because we have students that are you know, high-level entrepreneurs and high-level performers and high-level managers and high, you know what I mean? These are people that, that have a lot to lose. You know, it's also an expensive program. You know, it's not like, like these people that can afford a program like that. And, uh, and I have to make sure that every, every piece of direction advice that they get from me pays dividends to them, uh, be it emotional or, or other, other physical, other aspects of their life. Yeah. I, I can't mess that up. And as the world is changing, that requires me to like keep, keep moving forward. There is no coasting in, I like in, that. in this game. I like that. Okay. Let's go, uh, let's go big. Let's go dream big. What's your current BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal for this company or for your life? Either one. Um, reducing victimization in the world. Um, I think victimization is a big problem. The actual victimization, which is the physical violent one, and then the emotional victimization that comes afterwards. The victim mindset that is usually a result of being actually victimized. The victim mindset plagues people for the rest of their lives. They get yeah. stuck because they got victimized, right? So they... And, uh, and, I, and I know that fit hit can solve that problem on, on a large scale, okay? Get people out of victim mindset and more into a more powerful place in life, more empowered place. And that's, uh, that's our goal. It's in our mission statement. I love it. When are you coming to Atlanta? Oh, that's a good question. Is it fun there? We're trying to figure out where to go on vacation. Well, Atlanta fun? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's fun for a vacation, but when are you going to open up a fit hit in Atlanta? That's where I am. Um, so TBD, right? So we got to be part of that. If you're going to dominate the yeah. world, we got to be part of it. Let's Atlanta's go. Atlanta's got to be part of it. Yeah. So, I mean, we just started an outpost in Los Angeles. We're starting building a community out in the West Coast. Okay. We got an East Coast and the West Coast outposts. And Atlanta is, I guess, somewhere in the middle. Let's go. We'll get there, man. We'll, Come we'll on get down. We'll get to Atlanta. I'm sure there's a... I don't know much about Atlanta. Well, is, then is there, you, is there, uh, you and I are going to hang out. I'm going to show you the city, and we'll pick out a place for you to open up down here. I love it. Let's do it. I love it. I love fun. it. Awesome, man. Well, last question. This is our fun, creative question. If you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past... And you get to tell yourself one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by, 
when would you go back and what would you tell that younger version of yourself? Uh, get a coach. That's what I would tell the younger version of myself. I have spent way too many years figuring out things for myself, thinking that I was unique and my problems were unique. But once I started seeking out uh, help, it moved everything in a much faster pace. There was not even an amount of money that was too much to pay for a coach because it always paid back dividends. Like it, it was crazy. Like when you follow the footsteps of people that have walked the walk, you got to choose your coaches wisely. So I'm sure. going to tell myself, get a coach, but do your research. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Do your research and then get a coach. It is, uh, it is truly a game changer. It saves years and can't even tell how much money and like, mistakes and errors and, and dumb dumb shit that are ego driven when there are processes that will just work right proving to work here it is work go ahead do that um, i see it in the fitness world which is where we are primarily right leading people for the first time into the body of their dreams sometimes during their 40s and they have never looked as good as as they are and they would so we could appreciate coaching in the physical sense but i would say in the in the, in the business sense even more yeah you know like yeah and anybody's listening to this if you're going at it on your own get a coach so good but <laughs> yeah. matan man this made my week this has been such a great fascinating conversation so much truth challenge i love challenge and man again i just want to reflect back to you you have a brilliant business mind and it is really neat to see how the level of quality of service that you're providing to your clients. And it's no, no mystery to me why this thing is blowing up and uh, it's going to continue to grow and spread. So thank you for being here. Thank you for doing the hard work and for taking time to share with our audience. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate it. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.